It is good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Good to have each one of you here with us today. And we appreciate the presence of the Lord that we feel. And I trust that you have had a smooth transition from 2020 into 2021. I was talking with somebody prior to the service and said, yes, I brought the new year in looking at the back of my eyelids. And, uh, and that was until right about midnight. And then some precious soul up near my place set off some mortars. And, and they sounded like they were right outside my window. I mean, I came straight up out of bed and, you know, went to the window and went, good gravy. You know, and I, it must be midnight. So anyway, but we made a great transition. Glad you're here with us today. Um, if you would like to read with me the scriptures that the Lord has placed upon my heart for our service today, I'm going to ask you to turn over to the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to begin reading with the first verse down through the ninth verse. The first verse down through that ninth verse. So Philippians chapter 4 beginning with verse number one. Paul is writing, and he says, and I'm reading the uh, English Standard Version this morning. Paul is writing, and he says, Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand fast in the Lord, my beloved, I entreat Euodia and Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are written in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatsoever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think on these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. And I'm going to stop reading right there this morning. Just ask that you bow your heads, and we're going to pray and ask the Lord for his anointing and for his help. Father, we are delighted to be able to be here in the house of the Lord today. And we come to you this morning, Lord, with our worship and with our praise, and we have sensed the presence of the Holy Spirit here in our midst. 
And for that, we are very grateful. We are very thankful. And now, Father, we come to the reading of your word and the ministry of your word. And Father, I just ask you to help me to be an effective minister of the gospel. I pray that you will put your thoughts in my mind, your words in my mouth, and empower what is spoken with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I would ask, Heavenly Father, that you would uh, put your words in my mind and your words in my mouth and let them fall upon ears that are touched of God to receive. Speak to our hearts today as we walk into this new year today. I pray that everything that is said and everything that is done will ultimately glorify Christ and will edify the body of Christ. In my own ability... I am lacking, and I ask for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to give me liberty and allow me to be effective, to function as an effective minister for your word this morning. We ask these things in the mighty and awesome name of Jesus, and everyone in agreement with that prayer said amen. amen. So I will begin this morning by letting you know that uh, both this Sunday and next Sunday, if the Lord allows, I'm going to be speaking on what I believe the Holy Spirit has laid upon my heart and sharing with you some very critical biblical principles that I believe that we need to apply in our life as we move into the new year. This past week, as I began to prepare for our service today, God began to speak to my heart and he began to direct my thoughts to the text that we have read, this particular passage of scripture. And as I began to meditate upon the word and I began to think about what the apostle Paul had written here in our text, the Holy Spirit began to impress upon my heart the importance and the weight of the words that Paul writes here in our passage. So this morning, we're going to start a two-part sermon series that I'm calling Walking into a New Year. Last Sunday, we discussed some of the things that we got to know how to say goodbye to. Amen. Last Sunday, we talked about some of the things that we got to understand we need to release in order to move into the new year. And so this Sunday, I want to begin talking about some of the things that Paul writes that we need to embrace as we walk into the new year. The text that we have read together is part of the Apostle Paul's writing, and it is part of the closing remarks of the book of Philippians. Paul writes to the church in Philippi and he writes this book. And, and, and the, the part of the text that we have written or, or that we have read was written as his closing remarks to the church. History confirms that Philippi or the Philippian church was the first Christian church ever established in Europe in the region of Macedonia. It was founded on Paul's second missionary trip when he was accompanied by Silas. You will remember that on his first missionary trip, Paul was accompanied by Barnabas. 
But at this point, Paul and Barnabas have gone in different directions and Barnabas has taken John Mark and they have sailed towards Cyprus and Paul has joined himself with Silas and they are traveling into Macedonia. And you will read about that journey in Acts chapter 16. The Bible says that while they were sleeping, Paul has a, a vision at midnight and he sees an individual saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And so the Bible said they immediately, they endeavored to go to Macedonia. And this Philippian church was birthed out of that missionary call. So understand that Philippi is the first Christian church that was established in Europe. Lydia became the first Christian convert, amen, in Europe. And so the first thing that I would like to point out to you this morning and the first thing that I think that we need to understand is that before Paul showed up in Philippi, there was no church in the city. There was no one preaching good news. There was no one preaching the gospel until Paul and Silas arrived and began to preach Christ unto that region. And that is a very critical piece of information for us to understand or to realize because I think it, it, it helps us to realize how Paul felt about those people and how they felt about him. Number one, it helps us to understand that the Apostle Paul felt that these converts were, amen, literally his children in the Lord. They were his convert. They were his children. He had labored in the Lord to bring them into the new birth. And they felt about Paul as if he was a spiritual father unto them. Amen. Understand how they felt about one another. He was their mentor and their instruction, uh, their instructor, their tutor, their educator, their trainer, and he provided direction and instruction unto them. They looked to him as if he were their spiritual father, and, and Paul saw them as his beloved children. Look at verse number one again. He says, therefore, my brothers whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown. Amen. The God's word translation puts it this way. So my brothers and my sisters, I love you and I miss you. You are my joy and my crown. You are my, he's telling them that they are the pinnacle of his ministry. They are the fruit of his labor. They are the crowning achievement of what the Lord has called him to do. They were a source of joy and satisfaction for his efforts and his labor in the ministry. Like a father who takes pride and satisfaction in his children, Paul is telling them that he loves them and he takes great pleasure in their commitment unto the Lord. Amen. He loved them. And as a father, as a father figure speaking to his children, wanting nothing but the best for them. How many of you here this morning are uh, mothers and fathers and you desire nothing but the best for your children? 
Paul says to them and instructs them, amen, I have some things that I need for you to understand. If you're going to walk in the peace of God and you're going to walk in the presence of God, then there are some things that I need you to apply, some principles that I need you to apply to your life. As a father instructing his children that he loves, he concludes his letter by telling them that if they will embrace six important principles, that the peace of God that passes all understanding would guard their heart and their mind. Paul concludes by telling them that if they will receive it, if they will apply these six principles and allow themselves to walk in these principles, that the peace of God would cover their life. Not just peace with others, not just peace in the world, but that kind of inner peace that quiets all of our worries. The kind of inner peace that quiets all of our anxieties as we rest in our relationship with God. Paul, in essence, is saying, if you will do these things, and then in verse 7, he says, the peace of God, the peace of God, the kind of peace that passes all understanding will cover your heart, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. The peace of God. Let me ask you a question this morning. How many of you would like to face 2021 with the peace of God in your heart? Amen, you can have that. Wouldn't it be great to enjoy the kind of peace that quiets all of our worries and all of our anxieties and all of our concern? I'm not talking about walking through life without troubles or without struggles, but I'm talking about walking through life, facing the struggles and the troubles, knowing in whom you have believed and knowing that whatever you come up against, you're going to be all right because God is on your side. Knowing that no weapon that is formed against you is going to be able to prosper because you have the peace of God in your heart. He doesn't promise us a trouble-free life, but he does tell us that we can have the peace of God that passes all understanding. I mean, people look at your life and go, I don't know why you ain't falling apart because it's the peace of God. I mean, if I were in your shoes, I would be, I'd be coming unwrapped. What is it that you have that I don't have? It's the peace of God. Amen. You can face troubles and trials and knowing that everything is going to be all right because the peace of God that passes all understanding can fill your heart and give you that kind of confidence. Paul says to them, if you will embrace these principles and apply them to your life, you will have the peace of God that passes all understanding. Saints of God, I believe that we can walk into this new year and embrace these principles in order that we can have the promise that he has given us. So with that in our mind this morning, let me share with you first the three things that I want to talk about first that I see in this text that the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart about. And then next week we will talk about another three. 
So this morning, the first thing that I want to talk about you, and the first principle that we need to embrace is right there in verse number one. He says in verse number one, therefore, my brothers whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown. Here's the principle. Stand fast in the Lord. Stand firm in the Lord. Stand firm in the Lord. The God's word translation says, keep your relationship with the Lord solid. Stand fast in the Lord. Keep your relationship with the Lord firm. Amen. Keep your relationship with the Lord on a solid footing. Amen. If you want to have the peace of God, the first principle that I believe that we need to embrace is our relationship with the Lord. And we need to guard our relationship with Christ. We need to stand fast in the Lord. If we're going to have the peace of God in this world, he meant it will only be because we have anchored our trust and our hope in the Lord. If we're going to enjoy an inner peace in our heart, it will be because that we have placed our hope and our future in the Lord Jesus Christ. The old hymn says, on Christ the solid rock, I stand and all other ground is sinking sand. Amen. Can I tell you something this morning? The only solid foundation in this world is Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus said, if you are a wise man, you will build upon the principles of the kingdom. If you are a foolish man, you will build upon the sand. Amen. But when the rains come and the winds blow, there is only one house that's going to remain standing. And that is the house that is built upon the rock, Christ Jesus. Stand fast in the Lord. That call to stand fast or to stand firm, amen, it ref- it is a, it's a military term. In the Greek, it is stakeo. It means to remain stationary, unmovable, to persevere, to be persistent, to be insistent, to endure and to withstand. When he says stand fast and stand firm, it's a military term. He's talking about like a good soldier. Amen. You're going to endure some hardships. You're going to endure some trials. But if you will stand fast, you will enjoy the peace of God that passes all understanding. In other words, Paul is saying remain unremovable. Remove or remain stationary and persevere and persist. Amen. Don't be easily moved. Let the enemy attack as he will. Let the enemies criticize and condemn. Let the enemy uh, or the winds of adversity and the difficulty blow. Let the struggle and the inconvenience of the rain rain down in every area of our life. But my job and your job as a soldier in the army of the Lord is to stand fast in God. My job and your job is to remain stationary, to remain unmovable, to 
amen, to persevere and to persist, amen, to endure and to stand and to be a good soldier in the army of the Lord. Why does Paul tell Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3, endure hardness as a good soldier. And he goes on to say, no man that wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. He's telling us that we are, amen, to be a soldier in the army of the Lord and to remain unmovable, steadfast, stand fast in the Lord. Guard our relationship, nothing wavering, nothing vacillating, nothing hesitating, no wavering, no tentativeness, but remaining steadfast and solid in the Lord. Stand fast, he says, in the Lord. How many of you know you can find that same instruction all throughout the word of God? You can find uh, the, where, where Paul told them to stand fast. All throughout the word of God. Let me just share some of them with you. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 58. Paul says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. 1 Corinthians 16 and 13. He says, watch. Stand fast in the faith. Be brave. Be strong. Galatians 5 and 1, he says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free and do not be entangled, amen, with the a yoke of bondage and don't go back to the yoke of bondage of this world. But he says, Stand fast in the liberty that is in Christ. Ephesians 6 and 11, he says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to do what? Stand. Amen. Ephesians 6, 13 and 15, he says, wherefore take unto you the armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. Having your loins girt about with truth. And, and he goes on to talk about how we need to put on the armor of God. But what I want you to see is over and over and over again, he tells us that we are to stand fast in the Lord. Amen. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 7. Let your conversation be as it becomes the gospel of Christ, that ye stand fast. In one spirit, one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Second Thessalonians 2 and 15. Brethren, stand fast and hold to the traditions that ye have been taught, whether by word or by our epistle. He's telling them over and over and over and over and over again to stand fast. Why? Because it is such a profound 
principle that we need to apply to our life. Peace only comes not through the things of this world. Amen. The things of this world are ever changing, but peace only comes when you know who you have anchored your faith in and who you have anchored your trust in. And if you have placed your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, then God will guard your heart and your mind with a peace that passes all understanding. Amen, beloved. Paul knew that there are going to be times when the going gets tough, that we are often tempted to give up our post. He knew that there are going to be times when the bullets of temptation start whizzing around our head and we feel like we need to throw in the towel. He knew there were going to be times when it would appear that we were outnumbered and the enemy was about to take us down. And he says, what I want you to do is be a good soldier and stand fast in the Lord. Don't give up your post. Remain faithful. Stand fast in the Lord. So I submit you to you this morning that a happy new year starts by standing fast in the Lord. The second thing that the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart about, and it's there in verse number two. So the second principle that I believe that we need to embrace is this. We need to settle our differences Settle our differences. So verse number two, and remember he's concluding his letter. He doesn't want to leave this out. And he writes, I entreat, I beseech, Euodia and Sentakia. I, I encourage Euodia and Sentakia to agree in the Lord. Now, Paul is calling out. I mean, he's calling out a couple of women in the congregation and said, hey, you two knock it off and learn how to get along with each other. <laughs> Hello, how, how would you have liked to have been in the congregation when Paul went, hey. So, so let me read it. I entreat Euodia and Sentakia to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side. These women have worked together. They have labored together. They have history together. They have been friends. They've helped Paul in the ministry. He says, they've worked together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Paul is saying, tell these two women within the church to lay aside their differences and agree in the Lord. Now that's a really profound principle that we need to embrace. Have you ever had aught against someone, whether they deserved it or not? Hello? Well, we're not told a great deal about their dispute or their disagreement, but it is obvious from the text that for whatever reason, these two women had a very serious falling out. Paul doesn't give us any details on what the issue was. And as we read the text, we cannot 
you know, derive any information of what it might have been. Paul says nothing that lets us know who was right or who was wrong. Instead, he doesn't take sides. He doesn't, you know, commend one and reprove the other. He doesn't take sides. He just simply exhorts these two Christian women to settle their differences. Settle your differences. One was named Euodia. Her name means sweet smelling. The other was Syntychia. Her name means friendly. And for whatever reason, sweet smelling and friendly were not smelling so sweet or being very friendly. <laughs> I don't know what happened. But have you ever <laughs> oh, have you ever come to a place with someone where you were just not very sweet and not very friendly? Hello? Or maybe you've had someone that wasn't very sweet or very friendly to you. Here was what Paul is saying. He's saying, tell them to get along. Paul is instructing them to stop focusing on the cause and start focusing on the cure. He says, agree in the Lord. You may not agree with one another on everything, but agree in the Lord. You have more in common in Christ than you have with your petty differences. Agree in the Lord. When did we ever come to the point in our lives that we can't just agree to disagree? We've come to a place in society where people, if you don't see everything the way I see it, you can't be my friend. That's Oscar Mayer theology. That is baloney. Paul said, agree in the Lord. Stop focusing on what has separated you and start focusing on what has brought you together. You are part of the body of Christ. And I'm telling you here this morning that we need to embrace that same principle. If we have ought with someone, we need to go to them and try to set the record straight and try to set things right. Amen. And if they refuse, then the ball was in their court because at least we tried. It doesn't mean that we have to agree with every detail. Instead, it means that we need to make a personal choice to focus on what unites us in the Lord. Paul is telling them to lay aside their differences and walk together in unity. The Bible says in Psalms 133, verse number one through verse number two, behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers and sisters to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head, running down the beard, the beard of Aaron and running down to the edge of his garments, soothing anointing. Ephesians 4, 1 and 3, Paul says, Therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling to which you have been called. Walk with all humility and gentleness, with patience, forbearing one another in love, and eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of 
peace. In other words, he's saying make a concerted effort to keep the peace with those who are around you. 1 Corinthians 1 and 10, I beseech you, brethren, by the name of the Lord, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you. The God's word translation says, agree with each other and not to split into opposing groups. You be united in your understanding and in your hearts. If you are here this morning and you are harboring indifference toward a brother or a sister, if you are sheltering or concealing indifference in your heart for one another, then let it go and walk into a new year and embrace unity. Walk into a new year without animosity and without hostility in your heart. Pastor Gary, how can I do that? Let me share with you just a couple of ways real quick. Be willing to ask for forgiveness. Uh, we heard a really great message here a few weeks ago that Shane delivered about being willing to ask someone to forgive them. Sometimes we get so full of pride, even though we know we were in the wrong, we hear, bless God, I ain't gonna apologize. <laughs> Hello? I mean, y'all don't have to, you know, keep your head down and look like that ain't me. But sometimes we get that attitude, not hell will freeze over before I say I'm sorry. Well, you might just be the, no <laughs> the next log on the fire. <laughs> <laughs> be willing to ask forgiveness. We all need forgiveness. Number two, look for opportunities to show kindness in small ways doesn't have to be a grand gesture. Just be kind. Do unto others as they, as you would have them to do unto you. Show kindness in small ways. Number three, focus on what unites instead of what divides. Number four, pray for the success of the other person. Oh, I can't do that. I can't even hardly talk to him. How am I supposed to pray for him? Did you know that Jesus said, pray for your enemies and pray for those that despitefully use you? That's how you do that. Ask God to remove all bitterness from your heart. Ask a friend to hold you accountable in this area in your life. And what I'm saying this morning is that as we walk into a new year, we need to consider relationships and the state of our relationship, and we need to make a sincere effort, make a sincere effort to settle any kind of disagreement. So number three, the, the third thing that the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart about is resolve to rejoice. Resolve to rejoice. He says there in verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. This third principle or this third commandment that he gives to us, rejoice in the Lord always. I mean, it's short. It's a really direct instruction, and it just might be one of the hardest ones that we have to keep. To rejoice always. How many of you always feel like rejoicing? Not so much, not so much. 
In fact, most of the time, a lot of the times, our flesh wants to cop the attitude that is kind of like, you know, why me? I don't know why this had to happen to me. Well, let me just tell you this morning, he's not talking about rejoicing for the problem, but rejoicing instead of the problem, in spite of the problem. Note that his commandment, he, he repeats it twice. Why is that? I think that Paul wanted us to remember to take time to stop and count our many blessings. I think he wanted us to take our eyes off of the negative and just put our eyes on all of the things that God has done for us in our life. And when we stop to think about all of the blessings of the Lord, how many of you have heard that old hymn, count your many blessings, count them one by one? If you stop to count your blessings, I'll tell you, there will be, there'll be just no room for murmuring and complaining. And I mean, because if you stop to count all of the things that God has done in your life, you will feel a spirit of thanksgiving rising up in your heart to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I think that he repeats it so that we can stop to, uh, to think about or stop to think about all of the things that the Lord has done for us. I think it is repeated because we tend to forget that rejoicing in the Lord when we are in the midst of dealing with difficult people and difficult circumstance, we fail to rejoice. Let me just share some scripture with you what the Bible says about rejoicing. First Chronicles 16 and 10 says, glory in his name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Nehemiah 8 and 10 says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Psalms 5 and 11 says, but let all who take refuge in the Lord rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy because you defend them. Let them also love your name and be joyful in you. Psalms 40 and 16, but may all who seek the Lord rejoice and be glad in you. Those who love your salvation, may they, may they continually say, great is the Lord. Psalms 118 and verse 24 says this is the day that the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. We need to have a made up mind that we are going to rejoice in the Lord. First Thessalonians 5 and 16 says rejoice evermore. God is looking for a people that are willing to rejoice Rejoice in him. Hmm. Amen. Here's what I want you to do. I'm going to give you a little bit of homework. How can we practically apply rejoicing in the Lord? Stop and think about all that the Lord has done for you. Over the next couple of days, didn't take me but less than four minutes to just write down the, the ones that I wrote down. But just next couple of days, take a piece of paper right at the top of the page. Write reasons to rejoice today. Give you a few minutes every day or just a couple of days. Think about all the things the Lord's done to you. I'm putting my sermon notes together and I thought about this and I just said, okay, Lord, let me, let me write mine. Number one, 
my sins are forgiven. Wow. Wow. Man, what a reason to rejoice. I've told people before, I wasn't always a preacher. No, I've blown it big time, many times. But God, in his love and his mercy, erased the slate and said, go in peace, your sins are forgiven. Wow, what a reason to rejoice. Number two, I have a Savior who loves me. I have a Savior who loves me. God is not some great gray-haired being sitting on the throne waiting to thumbtack you to the wall when you mess up. If that's your vision of God, you have the wrong perception. God is a loving father, amen, who looks down the road waiting for you to return like the prodigal. That's God. I have a savior. I have a God that loves me. And even when I fail, even when I stumble, and even when I fall, I can come to him in sincerity, and he receives me back because his grace is sufficient. And his love is everlasting. Number three, I have a beautiful wife who loves me and I absolutely adore her. Not everybody is that blessed. I have a wife. You have a wife. You have a husband that loves you. I have wonderful children and beautiful families. I mean, my boys, my wife and I raised three boys. They all three have beautiful families and wonderful children. I mean, they are a delight to me. Amen. We're in good health. Wow, what a reason to rejoice. Sometimes we just take it for granted. Well, smack your finger with a hammer and just see how badly you miss your finger or your thumb. <laughs> Be glad you are in health. Don't take it. I got a hangnail the other day and I went, oh my word. I mean, literally, you know, you put your hand in your pocket and it just like peels it off. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> sweet land of Goshen. No, stop and think about it. We just take our health for granted. Who do you think empowers you every day with health and vibrant, you know, vibrancy in your, in your being? He, he is the reason. In him we live and move and have our being. That's what the scripture says. Amen. I'm in hell. I, we live in a beautiful part of the world. I mean, we live in a beautiful... I, 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 I changed the flagpole at my house the other day. I put up a different flag, you know, because I had a Merry Christmas flag, you know, up there for the month of December along with the American flag. And I had this Merry Christmas flag and then I changed it out and put up a big eagle and, and my wife took a picture of it and posted it and someone commented, wow, you have a beautiful view from your home. And they're right. I'm looking right at the snow-covered butte right out my office window. We live in a beautiful part of the world. I, I could not even imagine how they live in a, you know, like a city like New York. I'd go stir crazy. I'd go out of my mind. Hello? 
Amen. Well, if you're, if you're grateful, that, I mean, that's just, that's another reason that we, amen, can be, I have a roof over my head. I have a roof over my head and I have plenty to eat. You can tell by looking at me, I have plenty to eat. <laughs> I don't go hungry. Thank you, Jesus and mama. <laughs> my bills are all paid. I don't, do you have everything? I don't have everything I want, but I have everything that I need. And more, and more, and so do you. So do you. I have wonderful friends. I have people that when I talk with them, they say, Pastor, I'm praying for you. Oh, thank God. I have friends who care about me and are praying for me. That's priceless. That's priceless. I'm talking about reasons to rejoice. Just stop and take a moment right at the top of the page. Reasons to rejoice. And just start writing down the things that God has done in your life. It won't take you but a few minutes to come up with some reasons to rejoice in the Lord. And when you write them down, don't just, you know, write them down, but boy, I'm really grateful. No, stop and think about what life would be like without them. Stop and think what life would be like without them. It would be a totally different world. So be grateful, be thankful. The first three things that I want to speak to you about as we walk into the new year, stand fast in the Lord. Paul tells them these principles are important. These principles are important because if you apply them, they will bring to your life the peace of God that passes all understanding. Stand fast in the Lord. Settle your differences. Don't allow aught or differences with other people to eat your spirit alive. And resolve to rejoice in the things that God has done for you. Next week, I want to point out a few other things from this same setting of Scripture. But this week, I'm going to close. And I want you to remember that these principles need to be applied as we walk into the new year. Stand steadfast in Christ. It's a military command. It's an order from the captain of our salvation. It is a order from the captain of our salvation. Settle your differences. Agree in the Lord. Walk in unity and in harmony with one another. And resolve to rejoice. Bow your heads, please. All over the building this morning, bow your heads. Heavenly Father, I have endeavored this morning to minister what I feel that you have laid upon my heart. And now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you will help us to apply these simple principles as we walk into 2021. Help us to apply these principles faithfully to our life. That our hearts may experience the peace of God that passes all understanding that our hearts may experience 
the peace of God in the midst of a troubled world. I ask these things this morning in Christ's name. Speak to our hearts, Lord. If, if there is an area, if there is a principle that we have not embraced, then I pray, Lord, that you will speak to our hearts and help us to change that. Get that fixed this morning before we walk any further into this new year. Help us readjust our priorities and help us to embrace these principles that bring your peace to our life. In Jesus' name, every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Maybe you're here today and you would say, Pastor Gary, I needed to be made aware of some of the principles that you talked about this morning. God bless your hand. Yes, and yours, and yours, and yours, and yours. Sometimes God calls us out so that he can correct us and we can make corrections and alterations as we walk life's road. Stand to your feet all over the building. There have been hands that have been lifted, and now let's pray together. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, you have seen every hand lifted. And Lord, you, you see the principle that has been left unembraced. And I just pray, Father God, that you will allow them to begin to exercise that principle in their life. And then let the peace of God flood their heart. Work in our lives, I pray this morning. Thank you for revealing it to us. Thank you for speaking to us concerning these areas of our life. I pray for each one that the Holy Spirit will enable and help as we move forward into this new year. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come and sing.